Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Elm City Lit Fest podcast. I'm Ife Michelle Gardine, founder, creator of the Elm City Lit Fest pod, Elm City Lit Festival, a celebration of literature, literary arts, and literate, literary, literary artists of the African diaspora. And this is one of my co-coordinators, Sean McAllister. And tonight, I'm so excited. We're talking to uh, author Kim Joy Ukwu. I hope I said her name correctly. Book is Locked Gray Linked Blue Short Stories. We want to welcome Kim. Hi. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. How are you this evening? Good, good. I'm so excited and happy to be here. Oh, we are too. Uh, listen, I um, Kay, I first saw this book when I was in um, uh, oh gosh, the the Bronx book. Oh my gosh, Ron Cavanaugh's book club, and I had to read it over and over again. The stories were so compelling. Oh my. Cam. <laughs> Thank you so much. That means a lot. That means a lot. Oh my goodness. And just let, like give us a little bit of your um tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to writing. So, uh, my author name is Kemjoy Ukru and I have been writing since I was a kid and I always um I for a long time I enjoyed uh, storytelling, right? Um, consuming stories by reading them, by watching them on TV. Um, I've always enjoyed really great, wonderful stories. And in terms of my writing journey, my creative, professional uh, kind of writing uh, didn't really um, didn't really become as uh, as prolonged and continuous until my uh, late 20s, early 30s. Um, when I started submitting stories you know, to various journals, that's when I really started um, approaching writing with a very um, serious uh, concentration, you know, just really focusing on the art and the craft of writing. So that really didn't start until late 20s or early 30s. And some of the first stories that I submitted into various journals are the same stories in Locked Gray, Linked Blue. And after um, some time writing these stories, submitting these stories into various literary journals, I realized that, that these stories together could fit into a collection. 
And that's when I started submitting the stories together as a collection into um, for consideration by various presses and and um, you know, I wrote query letters to literary agents about the collection and 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 that's where Lock Gray Link Blue really stems from. You know, it, it really is a culmination of uh, the majority of stories that had written during the time when I really took writing as a, as a serious endeavor. Wow, and how, so like, did, was that your profession? Like, what did you do like before? Before? <laughs> I, sound, I sound very mysterious because it's like, <laughs> oh, I know. I'm not talking about, you know, the um, other life my my other my other life um outside of writing i'm so mysterious <laughs> i can be very mysterious that way but um but you know in terms of my life outside of writing um, i currently uh, work in higher education and you know writing um you know has never really been my full-time day job and it still isn't um it's but it's it's an endeavor that uh, that I have treated um, professionally um, for for a while, uh, but um, I grew up in the Bronx. I was born and raised in the Bronx. Shout out to the BX, and my parents are originally from Nigeria, and I spent um, you know many of my formative years as a native New Yorker. And uh, growing up in New York uh, was definitely uh, special. And I still take great pride in being a native New Yorker. Uh, but a lot of my uh, consumption of stories through, through reading books and you know, watching movies, um, a lot of that started um, when I was a kid in the Bronx. Um, so, um, but you know, my love for writing, it's, you know, I think my love for writing really stemmed first from my love of stories um, and the ability to create stories, create my own stories, um, you know, with characters that I create on the page. Um, that's very, yeah, very, very exciting. And and that started um, in the Bronx. So shout out to the Bronx. The boogie down. <laughs> the boogie down. So do some of your stories reflect your time in the Bronx? Like, do you pull from those, what you saw and wrote it into your story? In in a way, um, yes, but I, I tend to be very, uh, you know, mysterious about the uh, exact inspirations of all my stories. Uh, but, I, but I will say that, um, that the various experiences I had growing up in the Bronx uh, definitely in in a number of ways um, inspired and influenced my creation of the stories. I have, I, I love, I love the Bronx and I, I love, um, you know, I love, you know, where I grew up and, and a lot of the stories um, will have um, like shout outs to, you know, you know, parts of the Bronx or part of the times that um, I spent growing up in the Bronx. But but I'm very shy to reveal how. <laughs> Listen, 
we're gonna we're gonna stay, keep them keep people anonymous to protect the innocent as they say. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I do know is that I can totally oh my god, there's a few when I was in the book club, when I when I read the book with the book club, um the the women in the book club were so like I can relate. I can relate. <laughs> To so many it, it, in all ages of women could relate mm -hmm. to the different stories. Like you put so much into a few pages. Like uh, one of them that um, I relate to, well, can relate to in, in, <laughs> in my age range um, for mature women, is, I believe is proposed. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. That's so, so great. And, and thank you. And I'm, thank you. I'm so grateful that you, you took the time to read my work. Um, thank you so much for reading the stories and enjoying the stories. That means a lot. And thank you so much for having me on your amazing program. Uh, so like, so it, it's an honor really. And um, thank you so much. And I'm so glad you enjoyed proposed. Yeah. Proposed was, was very, it, it was, it was a special, it was special. All my stories are special. I love all my stories. Proposed um, is the longest, uh, my longest short story um, from the collection and, you know, proposed was definitely, there were some opinions about proposed and, and, uh, and I really loved hearing them and uh, the book club and the women, a part of the book club, um, really they shared brilliant observations and, and what they had to say about Olive and, and Wallace and Isaiah and, and, and the story was brilliant and amazing. And I'm so grateful to them for the time they spent reading it and, and talking about the story. I mean, it was, as a, from a perspective of a writer, it was a gift. It was a gift hearing what, what you had to say and what the ladies had to say. So what were some things you got back from Propose? Because Propose paints a picture for those who haven't read it of, I believe Olive is 55, but it, it gets into love and being older and, not mm -hmm. making enough money and mm -hmm. technology come and you can be left behind mm -hmm. because this new way of doing things isn't how you grew up and like you're not 80 but you're also not 30 too so you're in that in between stage so ageism kind of comes into that mm -hmm. but it's all of your stories are very beautifully written like they're very eloquent without needing to be worried like it puts you in the space so can you kind of give the folks um, a little background of Propose so that they can kind of get in on it too? Absolutely. So uh, Propose is about a woman in her late 50s named Olive who is trying to professionally and personally change her life. And the story really goes into how she tries to make changes in her life and how sometimes don't those changes that she wants sometimes uh, don't happen and what what that experience looks like emotionally uh, so it's really about a woman who is trying to change her life and some of the obstacles she faces along the way 
and you're absolutely right. She she has being a black older woman. Uh, Olive bases has to deal with racism, sexism, and ageism. Uh, dealing with with those, how does she how does she you know, get to the points that she wants to get to? How does she um, deal with maybe not achieving some of the things that she wants to achieve? And I'll leave it there because I don't want to provide too many spoilers. Uh, but but one of the main points of the story is that she receives a marriage proposal from a friend um, for whom she has no romantic inclination. And as she's trying to professionally and personally change her life, she's also weighing the option of, of saying yes or saying no to her friend. It was it was very relatable for the women in the book. <laughs> so the women um, were very. Um, it's like the like grass ain't always green around the other side, and that's all I'm gonna say. Again, <laughs> for people that are listening, locked gray, linked blue. Okay, and if you're in if you're in the Greater New Haven area, you can order you can order this book from People Get Ready Books. It's short stories. It is so hot. It is like. <laughs> that mean, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, the relationships, you. Cam, the relationships. And I think, uh, I'm sorry, Shai, you had a question about something. Oh, I had a quote that kind of, that stuck out to me. Um, when Miss Olive, when she went to, when I, I think, Wallace tried to like stop her, but she spoke about her limits. She spoke about surprises. Mm -hmm. And she said, I don't care about surprises. She wanted to say to her former, her former employer, I need this. I can do anything, anything and everything, just as everybody else younger than me can. And it's like, wow, when you have to push back against mm -hmm. someone, like you can't do like they're closing a door for you that mm -hmm. you haven't even closed for yourself. Like someone can't tell you your capacity or what your skills are. I feel like I do. I'm like, we're intergenerational here, but it's very much I'm, what, I, what I've noticed is that it seems like you have to adapt as you get older mm -hmm. because just because the terrain is changing doesn't mean that you, you get lost in the sauce. Like you have mm -hmm. to keep up with it, but that doesn't mean sacrificing yourself as well. You don't have to be out here, you know, like the younger girls, like that. If there's beauty in age without a doubt. Being getting older is a gift. Like mm -hmm. being around Miss Ife, Miss Ife is a drawing. Like it's just a hot commodity. And, oh, you. and her crew is of that too. And it's like, it shows <laughs> you just like, being yourself and being where you are in life is that's where you should be that's who you should be and that it doesn't necessarily get easier as you get older it's that not to be disheartening like I, when i was 16 i said oh i can't wait to be in my 20s i'm here reporting live from my 20s like yeah it's cool i can go wherever i want to go but i'm responsible for me and these responsibilities mm -hmm. they're not going away they're we're increasing mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And thank you so much, Miss McAllister. I really appreciate- Oh no, I'm shy. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry? I'm shy. <laughs> shy, shy, shy. Um, thank you so much. Uh, uh, that really means a lot you know, um, to hear as a writer. Thank you so much. I'm really grateful for the time uh, you spent reading reading the stories and, and reading Proposed. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, Olive is amazing. 
I mean, Olive, she, she's incredible. I mean, she is, she is um, brilliant and, and just um, generous and, um, and she's, and she's flawed too. You know, she has, you know, like, like, like everyone, right? Like, you know, all human beings, um, she has flaws that she has to deal with. And like a number of human beings, um, Olive has made choices uh, that weren't always um, helpful to her, that weren't always beneficial to her. Yeah, um, you know, she made some choices in her, in her youth that maybe weren't um, long-term, um, like beneficial, right? Um, uh, so she, you know, she's made mistakes too, and that doesn't take away from how incredible and amazing she is, and it doesn't take away from the fact that she, you know, being a human being um, has ambition. You know that um, that ambition um, doesn't necessarily go away with age, and it doesn't necessarily go away with circumstance. You know, she has ambitions and desires and and wants. And and those are valid and important. It and just the the men like I when I read when I read it was just like like I had to share that with some friends because I I know Olive type and I know <laughs> the player type of um what's his name Isaiah. Isaiah. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Cause that doesn't leave some brothers either. <laughs> and and then the solid, you know, kind of steady, but they sick. <laughs> um gentle friend. That's Walter. Like, you know, but I'll still, you know, like she's still feeling herself. She still want to be hot, and and I'm, I'm just, you know, so it was totally relatable. Thank you. We're Thank gonna you. go through a few of the stories. We're gonna, well, Thank I mean, you. proposals one. So um, I think Sha has another one. Right, kind of. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you? Want no, please, no, please go ahead. Go ahead. Oh. Thank you so much. Thank you for your your kind words. I'm so grateful. These are all facts. Like we're gonna sugarcoat. These are facts. These are true feelings and emotions. Like quality speaks for itself. Like kind of following the same lines of intimacy that Miss Olive was um searching for and found um in true no in Demetrius. Mm -hmm. That was interesting as well, because you have Obi and you have Chioma. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when Chioma got married, she said a line. She was like, essentially like, what's mine is his, what's hers is, what, when she got married, what is, what's mine is his and what's, we know what's happening. Mm -hmm. But I'm so excited. But it's like, when you get older and you step into marriage, do you really have to make that choice? Like your father's house that you built with, okay, like does, can your, can these marriage rules or norms come in and do they take over? I don't necessarily think so. I would always put my sister before my husband or consider that as well. But when you wrote this story, at first I thought this was about your life when I first read it. I was like, I don't know. I was like this isn't an autobiography, these are stories. But your stories kind of, they they take you down a journey, you become captivated in them. It's like, is this like, is this, did this happen to her? Like, Miss are you Obi? Like, <laughs> So, 
Um, well, um, I will. Okay, I'll make I'll make one revelation. Um, <laughs> you know, because you know me, I, I'd like to be mysterious with my writing. <laughs> um, but I'll make one. Uh, I'll make one revelation. Um, Obi Obioma is one of my middle names. Right? Um, it's one of my middle names. Um, and Obi, you know, here, you know, regarding Obi and Chioma, you know, regarding Chioma uh, and Colleen, or Chioma and Obi is that um, that line that you mentioned when she's talking, when Chioma's talking about her husband, Ken, what Chioma is doing is she is letting her sister know who in a way she's prioritizing. And Demetrius um, is really, uh, you know, is partly about love and prioritization, right? how um, love can be very complex and love can be very, um, love can be very um, sometimes challenging, right? And um, Colleen and Chioma, they both love each other. You know, Chioma and Obi, they love each other. Uh, but, um, but from Chioma's uh, side of things, you know, Chioma doesn't prioritize her sister. Um, you know, she, she she prioritizes her husband. Yet there's also another layer of complexity um, there because Chioma and Colleen are um, their sisters who share the same father and have different moms, different mothers. And the experience of, of both of them growing up with some of the complexities that can happen, um, um, you know, in in um, in blended families, um, the complexities that happen sometimes, and they don't always have to happen, right? Or, but in this instance, in this story, it does. It affects Chioma's. Um, it affects Chioma's behavior towards Colleen. It affects her demeanor towards her her younger sister, and um, and that is um, illuminated even more in the last story of the collection, her mother Neneka, which takes place uh, from Chioma's perspective. Um, but I'm thank you so much for pointing out that line in the story, because that that is a, a really important part of the story. You know, Chioma is reminding her sister that that in that from her perspective and in her life, her husband, um, her husband will be will be considered first before her sister. Right. Because she says, like, you know, if you had a husband, you would understand and she also she takes care of her. Even when she's getting ready to go back to Nigeria, she says, "Like I'm still gonna wire you five hundred dollars. I'm going to leave the house in your name." But she said it wasn't necessarily out of love. She said it's the right thing to do, mm -hmm. and that's that right. and that's something you can't. You don't have to take that personal. It's not a bad thing. It's it's so you know it's so complex sometimes you know and 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 a lot of my stories really delve into the complexity of human relationships. Um, and 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 relationships in general, um, and uh, in that instance, you know, Chioma, you know, she loves her sister, but in many ways, Chioma sees her sister as an obligation, right? Um, if Chioma and Obi or Chioma and Colleen weren't sisters, 
would they be friends? Would they talk to each other? Um, would they um, would they make time for one another to to talk and chat? And uh, and if Chioma were to answer that question, that answer might hurt the feelings of her younger sister. Well, I, I, I feel sad. <laughs> these things. Don't feel bad. <laughs> oh, no. Like, no, just because it's, it's, but I think some of that is real. I think mm -hmm. some of that um, in, in instances exists in real life. There are, I think there, you know, maybe people who um, love each other, but that love may be rooted in obligation, right? Or maybe rooted in, in circumstance. Um, and, uh, and my my stories um, you know, delves into that and investigates that the emotional navigation of of human relationships, the human condition. Like mm -hmm. so, so every story had just a perspective of um, of how the human condition is, or how people are are could feel how they could love differently, how they could, how they respond differently to things. It's so compelling. Like each one is so compelling. Um, that, I mean, we're going to go through. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, I got what, another story you want to talk about, Sha? Okay. So um, it was too perfect now. Too perfect. True perfect. Took me on a ride. Okay. okay. Like, like coming down the street in my six four type of ride. Like, that is a huge compliment. Thank you so much, uh, Thank you. Because this is it to me. It spoke to how, like, not generational curses, but you, if if your mother hasn't dealt with something and you see it, it's passed down on to you. And um, there's a part that I wanted to. There's like two two small paragraphs that I think are just like these two, and then the last line is you know the last line because you wrote it, but <laughs> girl. Mm -hmm. So it goes, it's the top drawer in your dresser you cleared out for me from my clothes two weeks ago. You did that without me ever asking you to do it, without prompts. You said that your home was mine and you wanted to be ready for when I would begin to believe that. Your perfection is not in how you view the world, that it's large, divided sphere, where you believe people should help and encourage each other to make it less large, less divided. It's not in the loyalty you demonstrate every day to your family, your friends, and to me. It's, in how, it's not in how you smile or how you offer genuine laughs at my sorry attempts to show wit through mostly unfunny and unkind jokes. It's in how you hold me. It's in how you're holding me now. You make every embrace as easy and natural, but terrifying, like jumping on a trampoline, like jumping on a trampoline, or floating on an ocean without a boat nearby. 15 years ago, my mother told me men like you existed. After she learned, after she learned, after she learned my father left her. Like, Wow. Can you can you break that down? <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your beautiful, amazing reading of 
of that shot. Thank you so much. Like it's, thank you. I'm so grateful. Uh, so um, that passage, um, it's really sort of um, a culmination of, of, it's a culmination of almost like, like, um, like gratitude and disbelief and, 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 and what you talked about, about generational, you know, challenges um, sometimes that if, if a parent goes through something, um, you know, challenging, that there is a chance that that experience um, could affect uh, that person's child, right? Um, uh, emotionally, or it's, it's sort of like an example of someone looking at their present lives and and sort of comparing it to what they've seen right before and it's very much like okay the main character in true perfect she has a significant other who is significant to her in terms of who he is right um who he is um as a person and who he is as a partner right the the clearing out the dresser, the, the top dresser, it represents the significant other's prioritization of the main character, right? Um, you know, it, it represents his invitation, right? That, you know, he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to be pushy, right? But he wants to let the main character know that when she's ready, he's ready, right? Um, that, that it would make him happy for her to, to like move in <laughs> full time. <laughs> you know that he, that he really, um, he really cares about her and and really appreciates her, and and from the main character's point of view, it, it there might be some disbelief there because she, in the context of the story, she wasn't used to seeing that. Um, she wasn't used to seeing her mother being treated that way. She wasn't used to seeing her mother treated in a loving, kind way. So it's just like a juxtaposition of the main character's present life and what she was, what she had seen beforehand. Like that was her example um, with her mother being you know, treated poorly and abandoned and left. Right. And versus her present life of of having a partner who is the polar opposite of that. So I want to while we on this story, I'm going to go into a couple of lines that. Without giving away too much, I'm telling you, people get this book. <laughs> Christmas is coming. Oh, Everybody want to read it. You want a basket? Call Walmart. <laughs> people get ready and get it. Don't go to Amazon. Go to Whaley. Shop local. Go to Kim's website. Mm -hmm. Listen. Um. So it because it's it, it's just small, but it's like she didn't believe. Well, oh wait, two months ago I told my mother I was seeing a wonderful man smart, kind, family oriented, and the winning trait. He loves me, the kind of love that never lets down. She didn't believe me. She still doesn't. I don't blame her. On second thought, I do. And then 
a paragraph happens and then there's a, a line that says, I blame me for not letting you try. <laughs> Just this loaded. It's so loaded because it's it's like it speaks to relationship wise. <laughs> I can relate personally. I'm gonna put my business out there. I don't care. <laughs> but I've been in a couple of ghosting situ ghosted situations where brothers come for you and they like, oh, all of this, all of this. And in the back of your mind, it's like, okay. Hmm. And when women are single or have been told these messages from their mothers or for a long time or just or just have experienced things after a while, it's like, I don't know. Is it like as much as you want the love, you want to feel the love. It's not, it, it isn't, it, it's not believable. Mm -hmm. Like, am I going to open up this time? Am I going to be vulnerable this time? Mm -hmm. And that's what spoke to me. And then at the end where like, you know, she's like, I turn, when she gets up after they, they on the floor, what, listening to Al Green, like, Hey, you know, Comfortable afternoon. I'm going. I turn to walk. I I turn to walk to your door, thanking God that I have my essentials, my car keys, and my wallet in my back pocket. I say I'm going out for a walk. You want to come with me? I ask you to stay here. The weather's cold, and I want you to stay warm. I hope you will always stay warm. I I tell you I will be back, and you believe me. What? That's a real drop the mic situation. Like you, like you felt it once you got like. Like, it it showed you love can be overwhelming, like and you it's it's mind boggling. Like how could someone you know not feel it? How could you not want to embrace it? It's like you want to, but you don't really necessarily know how. All mm -hmm. of this goodness when you may have gone through such darkness, or if you are uncertain, or if you your trust is very if you're very skeptical. Mm -hmm. Things like this, you're just not gonna open the door and take it all in because once you've unlocked that, once you've taken that vulnerable step, and let's say it goes left, because let's say in the past it has always gone left. Mm -hmm. It's you don't want to feel nobody wants to feel like okay, I gave my all and you shitted on me. Like while while I'm up at night, you get to sleep. I feel like a lot of sisters have gone through that and they don't want to feel that anymore. But then it's like, do you wanna mm -hmm lay in not you know misery but life is full of risks but it's like you know you gotta it's a lot it's a lot to take that step and to want love and i'm realizing that the the lack of love not being expressed in our households or not being seen or you can't really get it from nowhere it's affecting us truly how we love one another like back in the day my grandparents would tell me like my father didn't say he loved us he, he told me you got a roof over your head. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, um, it's, it, thank you. Thank you for your words. It's, it's very, you know, true perfect. It's the main character. She, you know, she's, she's skeptical. You know, she's, she's a little skeptical herself and, you know, and her mother definitely is skeptical. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's you know, the bittersweet, you know, 
one of the bittersweet parts of True Perfect is that the significant other basically was proving himself, right? And um, he, you know, there, there are some people who may say they love someone and there's a difference between someone saying that they love someone and then a difference between actions showing that, right? And, but not just one, you know, one big, you know, action, right? Um, mm-hmm. but, but a steady everyday um, action, you know, um, that's, that's steady and that's continuous. Um, and that's not, that's nothing negative against, you know, big overtures of, um, you know, affection, you know, like when, when people, you know, buy someone, you know, a, a, a big gift or, I mean, I mean, I, I'm not trying to say that's a bad thing at all. Uh, in the context of this story, the significant other has been showing the main character every day um, in in everyday ways that he not only loves her, but he's loyal to her and he he's going to um, treat her the way she deserves to be treated. And in True Perfect, you know, the, the main character also points out that the significant other also treats other people that way too, <laughs> that the person is a kind in- individual. So it, it's not like he just only treats her well, like he he's kind and 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 loyal um, to everybody, to everyone. Um, it's just a person he is, that if she wasn't in his life, he'd still be a kind and loyal person. And, uh, and I think that, you know, in the context of that story, um, that's important too, that this that the main character noted that without her in the picture, he's still going to be a, a good man, a good person. And, and it's almost like oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm no, sorry. It's it's almost like in con- trying to convince her mom, she was conv- trying to convince herself as well that mm-hmm. you know, okay, I finally got a good one. I finally got to go. I'm gonna believe this. I'm gonna believe. I really am. You know. But then, then she walks out at the end. It's like, ooh. I also want to ask you, like, um, because we're gonna get to some more of the stories in the book. But how did you come about the titles? Did did the stories come first and then the titles, or mm-hmm. how how did that come about? So uh, in some, most instances, it's the story that came first. Um, so, so the majority of the instances, the story came first and then, or the initial drafts of the story um, came first and then the title came after. Um, and True Perfect, um, I think that's how the main character saw um, her significant other. You know, he he was true, and in ways he, in many ways, he was perfect. And he might not have been perfect by himself, um, but he uh, was perfect for her. Yeah. And okay. she didn't she didn't want to hear it. <laughs> you know, um, there were some instances where I think a number of readers were hopeful and optimistic. I think a number of readers provided feedback indicating that they believed that she was going to return. This, that the main character was going to return to the significant other, um, and that that was that was great to hear too. That was wonderful to hear too. Well, you um, left it open, so <laughs> <laughs> definitely left it open. So we'll 
you know, it's, it's up for it's up for everybody to see. Um, the other story, because you have these mother daughter relationships. Like I, I have a daughter, and I was a daughter. Um, in 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 paying and um, oh, what's the one that? What with the mothers getting married? Um, made a drink. Yeah, that mother daughter dynamic of like I'm get. <laughs> I raised you. <laughs> mhm. Mhm. Like I raised you. I put it in you. Now I got to get mine. Like leave me alone. <laughs> almost, almost to that. But that is a that is such a sensitive dynamic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, and again in the in the Bronx Book Club, it was a topic because it's people could just go there with like, mm-hmm. oh my God, flashbacks to uh, the, their mothers putting whatever happened with them on them. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, what's the line? I'll find it in a minute, but um. Was it in this one? Where am I? Paying. I'm paying and paying. Your mother always told you that you would that you would not always need her. That you would not always need your siblings. That you would not always need your friends. She told you this after you showed her your diamond ring. What? Like it? This woman didn't say congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. So when she, you go ahead, Sha. So when you write a story, like what's the duty behind it? What does it mean to you? Like mm. DJs curate sound, they control the energy of the room. Like you have folks' mind and attention, and you know the kind of you set the course of where their imagination goes, and you make you make sure folks leave with some lessons sometimes. So what mm. does that? being given that responsibility because there, there's clearly an anointing over your writing and over you so mm-hmm. how what does it mean to you to do what you do thank you that that's wow that's that's such an amazing compliment and i'm so appreciative thank you so much thank you thank you both i mean it's wow i'm so <laughs> um <laughs> uh so you know, I think with, with writing stories, especially writing the first drafts, oftentimes it's just about getting the story out, right? It's just getting the story out. And um, and this might also apply to other um, creative genres, um, but sometimes when, it, when, when someone is working on something for the first time, um, sometimes it might be just about getting it out, right? And so with my stories, um, sometimes I don't even realize what my stories are about until after I finish writing like the first draft, right? Or I finish writing a part of it. And once I have a draft that's in front of me that I could, that's when I could ask myself as a writer, okay, well, you know, what what is this story what is this story about or or um or i could try to answer my own questions about okay well what about this character what about that character um 
and then that's when I learn, you know, what my who my characters are and 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 what my story is, what my where my story is going. Um, so in terms of what it means to me, um, it's you know, at first it can be very um, insular, right? It's just about, um, it could be, you know, a little bit, you know, sort of like, okay, I just need to get the story out. And then in the revisions, right? In the rewrites or revisions, that's when I can be more purposeful about um, the story, you know, um, what I what I want the story to say or what I want the story to continue to say. Like sometimes if I write a draft, I'll be like, oh, okay, this story is about this. Okay, what are ways in which I can make that, um, what are ways that I can refine that? So if there is a message, if readers do receive messages from my work, then it's like, okay, if it aligns with my um, intentions um, in the revisions, then um, what are ways that as a writer, I can refine that or I can make it clearer or or ways I can sort of leave it a little bit more ambiguous, right? Um, um, and, and regarding paying and made adrift, they're really about um, they're really about the complexities of mother and daughter interactions and relationships, you know, based on who they are as people and based on experiences they've had. And sometimes those challenges can get in the way of two people who love each other. It can get in the way of them, you know, connecting um, emotionally as mothers and daughters. It could get in the way of them expressing Mm. their love without hurting um, one another, Um, you know, by showing kindness, by saying good words. Um, Sometimes, you know, um, mother-daughter relationships, you know, and sometimes all kinds of human relationships can be challenging and complex based on who the people are and the various experiences they've had. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna paying, cause this is like the mother is seriously about paying. <laughs> like she, she bought the cash. Cause she said, <laughs> <laughs> um, like uh, money, you need to make your own. She said, your fiance makes a lot of money but his cash won't be your cash. She said, if he makes it, he can take it. If he can take it, he can retain it. If he retains it, he maintains you, sustains you, ultimately detains you. She said disdainfully, I let your father make the checks, but we didn't cash them. He did. He didn't give me what he thought was mandatory for the week, maybe for the month. He gave me what he thought was mandatory for the week, maybe the month. I spent it on you and your sisters when I could have saved it for myself. I should have, she said. What that is like, I love you and I took care of you because I had to, but I wanted to leave that. <laughs> it's 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 yeah, it's heartbreaking. It's 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 devastating in a way, right? It's emotionally it's- devastating. <laughs> it is. Um, I think in 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 some instances, you know, um, there can be, um, you know, layers of truth, right? Um, um, in that, you know, this idea of, um, you know, people, you know, 
people can, you know, love each other and care about each other and still want things for themselves. And um, yeah, I think the mother in paying, um, she is, you know, I mean, she loves her children, um, um, but her own experiences sort of get in the, get in, or getting in the way of her congratulating her daughter, right? Her own experiences are getting in the way of her trying to encourage her daughter, you know, and provide um, positive encouragements. You know, like basically her mother could have said that to her daughter um, in a different way, right? Um, it could have been paired with genuine congratulations and then advice, you know, or, but the mother, you know, she's, she's gone through some things and that doesn't excuse the way she delivered her um, advice, you know, um, it doesn't excuse it, uh, but maybe it provides some explanation as to why the mother um, said what she did and, and, and how she said what she said. Yeah. Cause at the, by the end and, and like, Again, people, these are short stories. This page, this 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 story that I'm talking about now is three and a half pages. <laughs> but by the end, the woman is like, okay. She said the, the mother says, then she said, make your own money still. She she said she had no money. She said she wouldn't be able to help pay for your wedding. You already knew that. You were never going to ask her for that. You told her she didn't need to pay for anything. She laughed. She said, I'm always paying. Oh, I'm always paying for something, even when I'm not paying for it. Mm -hmm. That speaks so much volumes just to womanhood and mm -hmm. and struggles of some women that mm -hmm. that like they're just things they can't embrace. Mm -hmm. And and how you know we could women are sitting around being the, the real housewives of everywhere. <laughs> with those mindsets, like I gotta get mine. They're not gonna, you know, it's like not believing and having these relationships is so complex, complex. Mm -hmm. Should I believe you had a question? Yeah, I think in her response, her, her hurt definitely spoke first. And I think which kind of gave her the delivery that she got, she, she kind of put her on game, like, no, you have to keep your own job. But I think the, the reality of it and the realness of, that a lot of women end up in that you get married and you know you don't write the checks your name isn't on the deed and then so he has all the control you're a part of this household let's say this man leaves you one day and this happens and he feels like well you didn't do anything for this so why would i give you any of my money like you got to live in a house and do nothing when the value of maintaining a home and running a household isn't seen it can easily be written off but nothing would flow without this household being maintained without you coming into something that's clean, that there's food, that I'm, that women, we're so, we see things so big picture. We see how parts move and how if something's taken out of the, how this can affect everything else in the household. And that's invaluable. Like that's priceless. That's something you can't, because some men can't do it unless they, unless that's their jam or unless they understand that that's what they're contributing, they can't do it. So, it's it's heartbreaking to see women end up left and poor or like left with nothing. And it's like, wow, I gave you 20 somebody years of my life. And now it's just, well, it was nice to spend this time with you. Like what? 
that could make somebody really start cutting up couches. How Medea was cutting up couches and <laughs> diving mad black women. And it's it's crazy. Like y'all saw Helen get dragged out of there like that and treated like nothing. But as soon as as soon as Shorty hear her lick and he couldn't walk no more, where was he at calling Helen? And this and that. And now she has to now be a caretaker. The same person you hurt had that hurt you, you now have to care for because you always have to be that bigger person. Helen definitely got hers though in the end. Like <laughs> when she pushed him in that bathtub. <laughs> that wasn't funny, but it was not playing with us. You you're related to Medea. You thought you was cute. And um another story is toward the end, because we're not going through every one of these stories because we want people to buy this book, Locked Gray Link Blue. But another story that just took me for a loop was bars from a child's perspective. Like this little girl's going, getting dressed with her auntie going on a trip. The trip that she's going on, oh, got her backpack. It is, it is just so like enriching how, how the like the little girl's mind is conditioned for this trip um and it takes everybody for a loop and i like how did you come up with it so we're going to talk about that story and then i'm going to ask you to talk about how you came up with lock gray link blue okay so um you know bars is um you know with bars it's that that was a story that it was, it was one of those stories where I was just like, as I, I think as I was writing it, it was like, okay, I don't have to reveal where the um, the main character and her aunt are going to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, until maybe in the middle of the story where clues are provided, right? Or hints could um, are provided. And then at the end, it's fully revealed that, um, you know, where, where they are and, and what, and who she's looking forward to, to um, seeing and talking to. Um, It's, it's, it's just, it's another example of the challenges of trying to maintain um, a, a family kind of relationship emotionally, the challenges involved when, when circumstances, um, you know, are in the way. Um, mm-hmm. challenges are in the way and you know it's with bars it's it's um it's it's another example of you know what happens when two people who really care about each other um, aren't really able to to speak you know or to or to emotionally um emotionally maintain, you know, that, that special, you know, family connection, you know, of, you know, mother and daughter, um, you know, what happens, what does that look like emotionally? Um, when they can't talk to each other every day, when they can't see each other and see how the other is, is doing, um, you know, what does that look like emotionally? And, and in bars, um, the reader can only um, see that from the daughter's point of view, um, because it's it's in second person, but it's it's from the daughter's point of view. Um, but one could, um, you know, potentially, um, you know, 
um, it could be implied that the mother who is who the reader doesn't get to you know see um, you know, probably feels a lot of pain and hurt too you know not being able to um, be there um, for her daughter you know um, it's you know it's just another example of the challenges of caring about someone from a distance. And in this case, it's, it's you know, there's a physical distance, but also an emotional, or there can be an emotional distance too. And then there's the, the, the kind of respectful um, caregiving and, and, and tenderness, but, but um, I don't know, re reality of, of the aunt. Mm -hmm who is, is, is taking her on a that, that she's preparing her and escorting her, but it's, it's so compelling. And, and there's so many people that I'm sure can relate to it. So, um, so tell us, how did you come up with the title for the whole book? Uh, so Lock Gray Linked Blue. Once I realized that a number of the short stories I had written could fit together as a collection, um, you know, I started um, thinking of what the you know, book could be called. And there were a number of um, ideas I had before I finalized on Lock Gray and Linked Blue or Lock Gray, Linked Blue. Um, but, um, you know, Locked Gray really represents, well, the word locked represents a, an assumption of permanence, right? That even if two people are, are estranged from each other, that um, there might be a permanence um, of that person's presence in their minds and memories, right? Um, that uh, even for two people who are estranged, there is this, there can be an assumption of permanence. Uh, so that's what the word locked represents. And then gray represents um, the um, uncertainty and the, um, uh, the complexity, right? Um, you know, and so locked gray sort of represents that. Uh, and then linked blue, a linked represents connections, um, you know, how people are connected um, in terms of, you know, various forms of human relationships. And then blue represents uh, sadness um, and melancholy. And blue happens to be my favorite color. I think it's <laughs> a gorgeous color that ha can have um, many meanings. Uh, and that's how I came, or, you know, that's that's how I came up with, or, you know, I figured out the title of the collection, Locked Gray, Linked Blue, because the you know, majority of my stories, um, you know, majority of my characters, you know, you know deal with um, the complexity of, of trying to relate to someone that they care about. Yes, and, the, and they're, is just highly recommended. Um, and the names of the characters are meaningful. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and we highly, highly recommend Elm City Lit Fest people, Locked Gray Linked Blue for everyone out there listening to us. We have a lot of comments um, on Facebook Live <laughs> <laughs> and in the chat and also um, but we want we want to we highly recommend it again. So um, we want to thank you, Kim Joy Ukwo. Thank you, right? uh, Ukwo. Yeah, that that's good. That's good. 
That's good. And thank you. Um, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. I'm so grateful for this opportunity to talk about my work. And I'd love to give a quick shout out to uh, the Kindred Books imprint of Brain Mill Press that yeah. published the published my collection. Um, they're amazing. Yes, we definitely do. And, and hopefully we can get them on soon. <laughs> <laughs> thank you both so much. I'm so grateful uh, for your time in this conversation. Next, uh, oh, are you working on another series of, of short stories? Um, so I, I have been working on a number of short stories. Uh, my next uh, literary um, project uh, is, is I'm working on revising a novel. So, okay. So, uh, just we'll, we're going to be in touch and keep you in mind for our 2021 Elm City Lit Fest. So, please look out for us. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. absolutely, absolutely. We're, so we're, go ahead, Shot. We're in a whole, we're in an array of different things. And it was just so wonderful to really sit with you and for you to really be genuine and transparent with us. It was, it was a very rich conversation, like Ms. Babb said, but I appreciate you bringing your full self here with us this evening. Thank you so much, Sean. I really appreciate your amazing, beautiful words uh, about the, about the stories and about the work. Um, and thank you so much, Ms. Gardine. I'm, I'm so grateful. So thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. All right. We're we're ending this segment of the Elm City Lit Fest podcast. Everyone, um, stay tuned for the, uh, we have an additional segment that we are going to be talking to New Haven's own Salwa. I don't want to mess up Salwa's last name. Her mother and father kill me. <laughs> I think it's Abdul Sabor. I don't want, I don't want nobody to be mad at me. <laughs> Correct, Abdul Sabor. <laughs> okay, I got it right. I did. <laughs> I was here because New Haven is one of the places, and I'm going. I'm going to take a quote from my my good friend Babs Rawls Ivy. It says, "New Haven is a place where creatively, if you think of something, you can find some people to support you in it." Okay. <laughs> Elm City Lit Fest is a, is a testimony to that. And so is Black Haven. And I'm going to leave Shah and, and Sawa to have a conversation about what we got to expect from that. Sawa, beloved, how are you doing? I'm doing quite well. This one is kicking right now. You know what I'm saying? But we need the cleansing. We needed it. <laughs> and the energy high above. <laughs> Definitely a restart, a refresh before the week happens. Now, Black Haven is happening Friday Whew. at 6 p.m. to 8.30. Get your tickets. Tell the little people about Black Haven, what it is, where the idea came from. Oof. All of it. Um, so Black Haven. So I partnered with CT Core organized now where we were thinking in August, you know, how are, how can we engage artists during this time? Um, especially during this, this historical moment in our, in our time and our, in this, all of it. <laughs> um, and I thought about how like important representation is, um, and being seen. Um, and so with that, 
I decided, well, like the movie theaters are closed. You know, people are doing a little drive-in situation. So why don't we do a drive-in situation? But like all the people that you see is people from the community and black folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it really became more focused and we realized, yo, let's just do a black film festival. Um, and so our original intentions was to do a drive-in black film festival, uh, but now has moved vir- virtual due to COVID. But as I began to like sit and like sap in the idea of a black film festival, I didn't realize in the moment when I was like, oh yeah, we can just do this, the need, like the immense mm-hmm. need for black representation in film media and theater. And I knew this, but when I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do like this exclusively for black folks, they were like, and black artists, they were like, wow, like boom, boom, boom. People hit me up. Oh, this is amazing. This has never happened in New Haven before. So I was like, oh, what? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been incredibly an honor to be able to be one of the first in the city to be making this happen. Um, I have so many people that I love and care about, care about who are in film and theater. My bestest friend, who is my inspiration, she is currently out here in Juilliard. My little brother, who is looking to be a, a director in film. So the intersections for me, it wasn't just like fictitiously ex- inspiring black and brown young people or black and brown folk or black folks um, in film, media, and theater. It was literally like creating a platform for people in my life who are in this field. So yeah. Definitely representation matters. And, you know, there's, there's, there was um, summer screenings and things like that. But I think to have the films come from folks in the community in New Haven, that's, that's highly unprecedented. Yeah. And you are the first. So definitely there kudos to you and your flowers and those in CT Core for holding you down and representing, representing, making sure you have what you need. So tell us a little bit about the films that will be featured. I see you have five films. So what what do they touch on? What are some of the themes in the films that folks can see? So the we put a call out for artists. Um, the call was to submit an art, our piece, um, a film piece, a short film from one to five minutes um, that was in the theme of Black stories and Black liberation. And that was intentional because you can go so many different ways um, with that. And we really were looking for an eclectic collection of pieces and we really got that like for real for real we got the arts down to the t we got activism we got visuals like there is just so i I, (laughs) i'm like trying to express it without like giving away all the beautiful gems but it is really inspiring um some pieces are like for me when i when i watched them i was like this is just black people existing and I'm here for it. Like this is art. Like there are full complete productions. Um, We have a piece that's a full complete production. We have a piece that's about stories and about um, uh, tenant activism. Um, We have another piece that, I'm trying to think, one that's uh, kind of a self monologue conversation. Mm -hmm. So we have so much diversity and I'm just so excited to be able to create a platform for them to be on and for them to to trust me with their pieces. Um, and I'm excited for other people to witness them because not only are the pieces amazing, but also the artists themselves are phenomenal. And I've got the privilege to actually 
meet them in person, have them get their headshots done and all COVID safe and everything. Everybody that's involved who's been, you know, doing the headshots, doing the creative direct, all the other stuff have been black. And that to me has been one of the pinnacle points of inspiration is the fact that like a lot of how I operated through this, I really was getting supported by a lot of black folks and the artists involved are all black. So shout out to them. Shout out to people showing up for you. <laughs> they definitely want it. <laughs> and the neighbor, <laughs> the neighborhood shows up for you when your own city shows you love, and that you don't have to reach outside of it. You can folks will tap in. You said folks were calling you, and that's that's beautiful. When we we show up, we don't have to call. You don't have to. You know, it's like with good work and good quality. The talent is in New Haven. You don't have to go to the city to go find good filmmakers or anybody to get on your team. So who can we shout out? What are some, who are, who are some folks who submitted films? What are their names? Like, how can we give them their flowers? Who have worked with you? I know CT Core and Raven, shout out to Raven, but who else, who has shown up for you? Facts. So mad shout out to, first and foremost, shout out to CT Core. Um, my journey with them has been amazing and beautiful and they, CT Core was the organization that taught me that healthy, wealth filled, health, wealth filled organizing and community building is possible. Mm -hmm. um, and I had been in situations where I was working with organizations where the organizing was not was not wholesome. And CT Core taught me that organizing can be wholesome, and then also like this activist and organizing piece can be wholesome. So shout out to CT Core, Kamel, Raven, Ashley, who are also on the Black Haven team. Um, collective consciousness, shout out to y'all. Dexter has been real support um, in this, an amazing consult and support. We got Arts Council on the Rasta, okay? <laughs> Arts Council out here flexing on because they said we made a commitment and we support in Black folks. We support in Black art. So they are actually one of our sponsors. So shout out to them, as well as the city of New Haven. Shout out to Adrian Jefferson. You already know. I yeah. feel like that's what I have to say. They know. Today is Adrian Jefferson. The people know what's good with Adrian Jefferson. It's very much like saying Beyonce. Like, you don't really got to go into much detail about Beyonce. Like right. You just don't. You just know. And you're like, oh, okay. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Concat. As yeah. soon as I came to them with the drive-in theater idea, they were like, yeah, we're in. We're in. Mm -hmm. So we so, might we aren't going to do the drive-in movie theater in that partnership with them, but we do plan on in the future when we do come around and do this next round of Black Haven Film Festival that we will have that drive-in. And it will be at Concat because they have an amazing programs. They have amazing uh restaurant and chain and it's just amazing all the stuff that they do so shout out to them for being like super willing to like right very much like you call over there and mr clemens really gives you what do you need <laughs> mr clemens shows up for the, folks, for the people that deserves his flowers as well yes 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 all of that like literally a whole bouquet um I think that was the, I think that's what the exciting part about it is, is meeting, knowing people in the community and then also building relationships through this and being like, okay, cool. Like we're actually making this link up. Um, I think that's really special. And I'm I'm glad to now have like so many more people. I don't know if this arsenal is the word, but like so many more people in like my arsenal and my community, just in existing in community. Your village has expanded. 
both. <laughs> yes. Very much so. And we want we definitely at Elm City Lit Fest, we want to give our condolences to Mr. Clemens and send our love and our light and all our good energy over there to the folks and where the, their community is suffering a great loss. The whole New Haven is. Ms. Sharon was a light and we want to pay our respects. I know that we're thinking of you. There's anything we can do over here at Elm City Lit Fest, please call over. I, I can say the same with um, with certainty for Bay of Bow Tree Studios as well. Um, but we just wanted to take a moment and say that. But so how are you? You have a week until it happens. Like, so where are you at now in the creative process of getting ready for it? Is everything all ready to go? I know the narrative project, I know Mercy, and everyone yeah. over there, they've definitely come That's okay. a powerhouse as well. That's a powerhouse. Yeah. Um, so I've been pl I have been working on this project for about 12 weeks now, almost 12 weeks. So next week, this week will be the 12th week. Um, and I'm really seeing the fruits of the labor. Um, like truly. So this week we are dropping all the posters, we're doing all the saturation. Um, on the socials and everything, we will be, you know, dropping the headshots that they got done, which is gonna look a fly da 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 da. Die. So shout out to collective, the collective, NHV, Kassad, and his entire team. They are ridiculously talented, amazing black photography collective and videography and arts collective. That is so phenomenal. I am highly all of that. <laughs> hire them <laughs> period that's that's that on that um so yeah we're just we're going to be grinding this week we're going to be grinding to make sure that everybody knows that black haven is happening because we are very much aware of how like of access and how sometimes things can just stay on the ethers which is why like i have been telling people yo hey hey we're gonna talk about this thing we're gonna we're gonna yeah, building up the momentum yeah, yeah, building up the momentum. So if I could give anything to say, like, oh, how do I support Black Haven? How do I engage with Black Haven? One, first and foremost, um, we will be opening the event right on Monday, so tomorrow. Um, so be ready for that. But also word of mouth, like New Haven and Connecticut, we're very much a word of mouth kind of people. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna have the whole ether webs down packed, but I think the most important is being like, Hey, what's up? Did you tech what's up, girl? Did you hear about and get your popcorn ready, get your little fit on, you know, it could be a little festival moment. We talk about some Afropunk vibe, just mm -hmm. black excellence to the T. Like when I mean black excellence, I mean black excellence. Um, and a lot, we even had a Pinterest board of like all these different um inspirations of how we're how we're showing up. So yeah, that's what this week is gonna look like. Um, in terms of because you had acts, in terms of the artists who have been selected for mm -hmm. Black Haven. It is Tang, Diona, Kalani, Ike, and I'm missing one more person. And Kalani, Ike, Tang, Diona. Ooh, who's the fifth person? Who am I missing? Oh, shoot. <laughs> it's cool. I can even it's think about cool. the fifth person. And everyone's from ah, New Haven. Ah, there we go. Yes, they're all from New Haven. They're all from Connecticut. They're actually from around the Connecticut area. So okay. Aman. So Aman, he he's in Yukon. So Aman is from Yukon. Um Tang, 
I believe is from the New Haven, greater New Haven area. I know that Ike is from Hartford. I know that Diona, I think she is in the greater New Haven area. Um, and Kalani is from the greater New Haven area, I believe too. Oh, so I'm saying greater New Haven as in like, not New Haven, but like in the county area. Um, right. Folks yeah. know, they, they, got a, they got a pretty good picture. That's what that is. So um, congratulations to them. They are receiving an artist honorarium, professional headshots, and their videos being premiered. And my and my true hope for for what I see, and I, I love that I'm able to give this platform. I love that I'm able to have artists, arts institutions particularly, rally behind this work. Uh, but my hope really is for the future is for these artists to be able to, you know, be connected. You know, a lot of arts institutions will say, well. Well, we don't know where the black people at. I don't know why we we want to have this specific person that has a specific skill and blah, 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 and they, and people will say that we don't know where the black art is. But I'm I'm presenting it to you. <laughs> so my hope is that that folks get connected, link up with them. They're amazingly talented and yo booked and busy. That's what I'm trying to have them do. Booked and busy. <laughs> so the Eventbrite drops tomorrow. Folks can go to the CT Core website and buy their Facebook and Blackhaven. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You can also have us find us on Instagram at CT Core. That's where you're going to find a lot of the information. So C-T-C-O-R-E. Um, on Instagram, also Facebook, CT Organized Now. You can follow me on Instagram with so because I've been doing all the Blackhaven stuff <laughs> or just in terms of like on my page. Um, at Sweet Summer Melanin. I know it's a lot. <laughs> okay, we'll put it in the comments. Um, yeah. And we'll share it. Um, okay, so do you, will this be like an annual thing? What's your long-term goal for the festival? So my long-term vision for the festival, the crazy part, I was just thinking about that. My, I would, I want to do um, youth artists intensive, youth art and activism intensives. Um, and have that on my platform as well as, of course, Black Haven is going to be an LLC. So I'm excited about that. I feel like it is time. It is time. Um, and so with that intention of turning it into an LLC is to have this be a platform for Black artists to operate off of. Um, that's really like a long-term future that I'm thinking is like, what would it look like for a Black organization or an agency to be supporting artists who, you know, we see you. We're here to support you through. We're not just passing you off to white institutions to be like damaged or misused and abused, but we got your back like in a lot of different ways. Um, so my hope is that and also providing abundant support for artists and particularly centering black artists, whether that be around whatever the needs are. There's a lot of lot of things. I'm thinking about mutual yeah. aid. I'm thinking about, you know, how do we make equipment more accessible? How are you not $300 for a vocalizer or $400 for a camera, but you can come to me and be like, yo, can I get, boom, here, sign this, da 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 you good. Like these artistic tools should be more accessible. Um, and so that's what I'm thinking about. That's what I'm turning with. In terms of the future for Black Haven, I definitely see it launching off. People have already been talking about wanting to tour Black Haven, whether that be with the people that we have now or when we do our next round of Black Haven. So I definitely see this being an annual thing. I don't know if I can see it doing it being a twice a year thing. Maybe we'll have like little things throughout the year that we can like little projects throughout the year that people can engage with. But I definitely see this being like a annual once a year thing that folks just come in 
Woo! Just let they edges down. Get the count that, you know what I'm saying? Get the fit right. Cause you see, I'm in my Black Haven, you know, okay. fit. Okay. So, this, if, so if Black Haven was in person, this would be the vibe we would be giving and receiving. I would be a little more, you know, it would be like a little. The next up, I feel you. I feel you. But this is, so this, is a, this is my, I brushed my hair back this morning, you know, after sleeping in the puff, but just revived the puff with some edge control. To rejuvenate, that's all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> correct, correct. So. Yeah, all of that. I just, there's so much beautiful hopes that I, I feel and see for Black Haven. Um, and I just feel honored to be able, not only just to do this and manifest this, but also to the team, like the team, the team, the team, the team, the team, the team, like literally amazing. I couldn't have, I could not have done it. I could not have done it without the support. But from the, from the itty bitty outsides to the itty, to the insides, I couldn't have done it. Definitely. And I, well, I want to, this wind is picking up over here for sure. <laughs> Definitely. But outside of that, I wanted to thank you for coming on. So the Eventbrite comes out tomorrow. Be there, be square Friday. You have nowhere else to be. 6 to 8.30. Show up, show out for your folks. Shout out to everyone who has assisted Sawa on this journey. Thank you for everyone for tuning in to another episode of the Elm City Lit Fest. Sawa, thank you for coming on and chopping it up with us this evening. Always the biggest shout out to Bale Bowtree Studio Rev Kev. You know we love you, my brother. Shout out to E for keeping our graphics going. Our social media is popping. Book Emily Mayo for your websites and all your marketing needs. Absolutely. I want to just reiterate my blessings to you, to, to Black Haven, baby. Annual events. That's why we created Elm City. Elm City Lit Fest was created to be a destination event for New Haven. But we put in this city on the map because it is going to be a, a arts uh, capital for this region. Okay. Crown arts capital, but we bringing it up a little bit. We're going to let them have a little taste. <laughs> we put some seasoning on it. <laughs> a little lemon pepper, a little lemon pepper, a little Cajun. We want to we want to thank everyone for tuning into Elm City Lit Fest and getting the the rich conversation. The first part se segment with Kim Joy Ukwu. Oh my God! Get the book again. Get the book. <laughs> and read it. Right. It's not too long. These stories, most of them are like five pages. Sit down, read. You can't go nowhere. Ain't nothing going on outside. It's cold. It's the winter. Everything is closed. We COVID in, and and then we bring Black Haven Film Fest Friday because Friday night, like she said, get your popcorn, get your outfit, you act can like move, set up a little date night. Come on, yay, yay, and let's let's jam. Okay, thank you again, Sawa. Blessing, sis. Sha, boom, we out. You know what it is. <laughs> See you all in two weeks.